my people clean up after You like themselves. fall, don't you? I you love said fall. that, didn't yes, you? Last week. You know, we're going to really get an exciting stuff today. Okay. So before we get all of our concentration focused, I think we should confirm what Dr. John said. Yeah. Or was it Joseph? Uh, Matthew, would you come up here, please? <laughs> oh. Let's hear it for Matthew. It's right there, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'd like a side shot with the sleeve up. Just there we go. Okay. You know that's pretty nice. <laughs> Are you going red? <laughs> this is a nice tease. Okay, thanks. Nice hey, let's hear it for Matthew. Whoa. It's because he likes to sail. That's why he has sailboats on his socks. Is that it? Yeah, he does. Well, uh, Matthew <laughs> is one of the guys that really makes Acellus courses colorful and exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and he can wear any socks he wants yeah. as long as he knocks our socks off. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Another thing that uh, he was talking about was Phil. Mm -hmm. You know, you, so you have a hologram. It makes it look 3D. I have one of those little... Uh, Displays. It's it's actually a curved lens over a curved lens with the middle in it, and we put a little object inside, and it makes an image appear to pop out. It's really right? neat. And you see it. It's 3D. You go to touch it, and there's nothing there, and it is interesting. And so now, the idea of using this air pressure to make you feel something. It's very very interesting. It's really neat. You know, I, I have a friend that um, for years has been one of the, the guys deeply involved in IMAX theaters. And I remember the first time that I went to an IMAX, they have this super giant screen. So when you sit there, the screen's not just in front of you. It's so wide that you catch your peripheral vision. And then they film experiences like going over a waterfall and amazing flying scenes and so forth. And with your peripheral vision, capturing that on the screen, it feels like you really went over the waterfall. And it's really, really amazing. Well, years ago again, I was having dinner with this friend of mine. And I, I know that he had been involved in making these films and was one of the uh, directors at this wonderful IMAX organization. And we're talking about it and, and what a thrill it is. And I says, you know, now you should go the next notch. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, inside the ear, in the inner ear, the human body has the ability to sense when you're tipping. But the inner ear doesn't sense as well how much you're tipping, just that you're tipping. Um, Halloween is coming up. When I was a, a scout leader, we used to make a haunted house as a fundraiser. And in our haunted house, we put these planks that people would walk on. We'd blindfold them. We had quite the haunted house. And they'd come walking over it. And then when they're out on the plank, the guys who were holding it would just kind of wiggle it the slightest amount, and it felt like you were falling because the inner ear could feel something's happening, but it can't sense how much. The peripheral vision is one of the main ways we, 
we figure out how much we're tipping. So I, I told my friend, if you would go into the chairs in the IMAX theater and put a little magnet solenoid so that at just the right time in the movie, you just move it just even a sixteenth of an inch, the effect would be multiplied a hundred times compared to just seeing it. Well, not too long after that, a couple of years later, I happened to go to another IMAX theater and they said that the back two rows are only for people with stout hearts. <laughs> and I don't know if the idea actually got through for me, but I suspect it did. But anyway, they had put these little actuators on those chairs and they were synchronized with the movie. And they said that a lot of people thought it was so real they get sick. They do roller coasters and things, so you're sitting there and just having that little nudge on your chair literally lifts you right out of your seat. You know, it's exciting. So that's like filling it, filling it. I think uh, it's also very significant to report that we're working on um, the classrooms of the future. And we developed a classroom that has these uh, uh, transparent uh, Lexans, a type of plastic that you can see through, you can see the teacher, you can see other students, but it kind of blocks you so that you don't have the possibility of being distracted by the noise the other student's making or, you know, if they happen to catch some kind of a pandemic, it, it helps keep people separate. It's like wearing a mask without wearing a mask. So we're kind of working on that. But uh, as we started uh, looking at what we could do with these these new classrooms, these new study desks, we did come up with the idea, what if we added smell to our lessons? Now, first we thought, you know, it, it could be just kind of a joke. You get an answer wrong, you get a stink. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a subtle way of saying, you missed it. <laughs> that was an idea. But, you know, then we started looking into it a little more. And there's something very interesting about scents or smells and the brain and memories. And if, if you smell something that you smelled rarely, I mean, if you smelled all the time, no. But if, if you smelled it rarely but a long time ago, quite often smelling it again will take you right back to where you were and you'll remember that situation. I thought, I wonder if that could help us memorize the quadratic formula and other Oh, rosemary is supposed to help with cognition and memory. And there are certain things that really work, aren't there? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there I don't are. Remember. So anyway, coming to you at a classroom near in the future, you uh -huh. just may be able to smell how good a cellist is getting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I think that's kind of exciting. But if there is anything that can be uncovered to help sell students learn better and faster, I'm very interested. And if you have ideas like that, I hope you'll, you'll shoot them our way. Be really fun. I want to feel that thing. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I can't arrange for you to do that no. today, but I do have some really good news. Uh, since it is fall, and, and since we know you love fall, and by the way, it is actually officially fall. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, my people, which are the Acela students, 
and I have gotten together, and we got you something. Yeah. Yeah. What is yeah, it? Yeah, we've we've got you something. It's it's a it's inside this this protective case. <laughs> it's it's a treat. It's a treat. It's, it's a fall treat. Uh huh. And you may think, oh, that just looks like an ordinary old fiber bar. Mm-hmm. But it's not. You know, we wouldn't get you just an ordinary old fiber bar. So now I'm intrigued. No. We it, and it has a, a a code here you can scan. You know, Great. in the grocery store. So these can be on. These can be mass marketed now. But what we've done is we we know how important it is to you to always look nice, and we commend you on that. Yeah. But what we've done is we've taken certain ingredients out of the bar so that you can enjoy it without being sensitive about what might happen to your weight. Where are we going? It, we're going forward. <laughs> we're going forward. So this, and, and it also, uh, well, it's just very healthy. And, and you can just enjoy it in complete comfort because it has no sugar. And it will not, anyway, this is for you from me and my people. We yeah. were wondering if, if we could watch you eat it. <laughs> She's nervous. I am nervous. <laughs> I don't know like why. the carbonara over. Yeah. What did you do to it? Well, we made it so you wouldn't gain any weight if you eat it. And there's no enjoyment. There's no weight. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing. Can I open it? Sure. It's, it looks like sure. it's already if, been. If you really want to. Maybe it's some of that um, freeze dried stuff. Yes. Yeah, kind of like that. Mm? Yeah. Wow. Okay. That was a tease. <laughs> you mean you're not they they want to know what's in it? Okay, I'll show them. It's very lightweight. Some of Toby's carbon fiber foam. Foam. <laughs> That's brilliant. If people would eat foam, they would never gain weight. That's my secret. <laughs> that would be really good. That's my secret. How fun. How'd you okay, do that? That's perfectly be, put together. Be something else. Okay, what else do you have for me? I have, I have this for you. Let's put it right there. What is it? Can you see what it is? Pick it up and try it. It's like Play-Doh. It, it's, um, it smells like Play-Doh. It, it's, it's something <laughs> that I've got just in case I need it okay. today. Do you know what it's called? Tell me. It's called a stopper. Stop her. <laughs> Is that from my mouth? <laughs> we could try it. Okay. Do you want to? It, it would be really fun. But we have to get onto the research. Okay. okay. Turns out that I bought this, brought this beautiful piece of equipment to do like a science fair project. I also bought a container full of fire. This is a fire device. So you push the handle, nothing happens. Ah, you get a flame. Uh-huh. So there are a lot of ways to get heat, to make it. You can burn wood, you can burn anything, and it gives off heat. You can capture solar energy. You can find place on the earth where there's hot water. Anywhere you can get heat, we want to be able to harness that source of energy and be able to make power, right? And a very convenient form of power is electricity. 
So we created the steam engine. Steam engine says if you have heat, you heat up water, the water vaporizes to steam, you run the steam through a turbine, and as it turns, once you get something turning, you can generate electricity through a generator, and we talked about that just a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. okay? So here is something that turns. It's not turning very well, but if we could keep it turning, then there's, we could make a little generator and we could generate some electricity. Okay? That's really pretty. Yeah, it is pretty, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So this particular little device has a way to, to make heat, and this is a, a little, I'll put it right there, you can probably see it better. It's an alcohol lamp. And so inside there is alcohol and a wick, a piece of string. Mm -hmm. The string comes up through the top here. And the idea is that if you light the wick, it'll burn. And one thing about alcohol is it burns, but it doesn't burn really, really hot like other things. In fact, uh, you can actually put this kind of alcohol on your skin and light it, and if you put it out fast, it won't burn you because the heat's rising. Please don't try that at home. <laughs> <laughs> They'll try it. Where do you want me to try it? <laughs> okay, yes. So, that was a social thing to say, wasn't it? Excellent. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna light this alcohol lamp. Okay. It's gonna put up a little flame, put up heat. It's gonna heat up this tube here. This tube's gonna get hot and hot and hot and hot and hot and hot. And when it gets really hot, then it's gonna generate electricity. Does it have to be a special kind of glass so it won't break? It has to be special. What kind does it have to be? <laughs> it's interesting that there are a lot of different kinds of glass. Mm -hmm. And with some kind of glasses, if you put in a flame and heat it up gently until it gets real hot, and then you put the glass in water, cool it down real fast, it'll shatter. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And some don't do that as much. The kind of glass that can handle those variants in temperature without breaking is a glass which has a brand name of Pyrex. And now there's a competitor named Kymex. A lot of the test tubes and things you use in the lab are made of Pyrex or Kymex. And it's a special glass. Regular old-fashioned soda glass, as glass blowers call it, uh, you have to be a little careful because if it's hot and you put it in water, it just shatters. Okay? Are you ready now? I'm ready. By the way, this design of this little device is called a Stirling engine. And it's called a Stirling engine because it uses the engineering ideas of what's called the Stirling cycle. Uh, the big advantage of the Stirling cycle is that you can generate rotational energy or electricity with small differences of temperature. Okay? Are you ready to try it? Uh-huh. See if we can get it to go. I'll light it, you get it to go. <laughs> I mean, it's a team thing. Okay. Is it burning? It's Looks burning. like it's burning to uh -huh. me. Okay, it's, it's a little hard to see that flame can you see it there? There's just a mm -hmm. little flame burning. It's getting hot. And now, if you could make it go, please. Well, could you just move the wheel a little bit? <laughs> like that? Uh-huh. Keep doing it. 
Keep going. <laughs> That's how I make it go. <laughs> this is because of my nice truth. Manpower. I think that it was. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you even now? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, it's good. So what's actually happening here is this flame is burning and it's heating up this piece of glass, which is heating up the air inside the glass. Okay. There's a little piston in here, a little piston up there. There's a rocker arm, and this is a flywheel. Flywheels to keep it going in between cycles, right? Mm-hmm. And if it's warm and we give it a spin, it should take off, shouldn't it? Yeah, it All should. Right. And then we should be able to see if it's generating electricity. Let's try it. Can you see the little light right there blinking? That is neat. I hope you can see it. It's a little hard. Can I borrow your phone, please? A phone? Phone. Phone, phone, phone. I wonder if I can put this behind the light so we can see it a little better. You see it better now? There it is. Yeah, you can see it well. Yeah, so it's generating lots of light, as you can tell. And so now we have energy, which is being released by the molecule of alcohol reacting with air, causing the heat, the heat being transferred in the stern engine. I'm going to try the blowout. You ready? Okay. Did it go out? It went out. It went out. So there's no more heat going in. If you listen carefully, you can hear it slowing down. It's running out of gas. It's running out of heat. Now the heat that's in there is just keeping it going as the glass cools down here. It's going slower and slower and slower and slower. This actually, in my opinion, very clever. Sterling cycle, an auto cycle, a diesel cycle, a steam cycle, all of these different uh, devices that clever minds came up with to turn just a little flame into a way to generate electricity, uh, which makes the world so much more wonderful. And it stopped. Or you probably noticed. Mm-hmm. I did. So what did they use this for? In a big... It, it's for the discussion tonight. <laughs> what they use it for? Yeah. Uh, to Why make that light blink. Cycle? To make the light blink. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That works really well. It's interesting that the Stirling cycle or Stirling engine mm-hmm. uh, has not become a wild commercial success. We don't see a lot of them in use. Like, say, one of the big advantage of a Stirling cycle engine which is powered by one place being warm and one place being cool. And it has the little cooler thing here to give the temperature or the heat to the air. But it's a differential of temperature, so it's, it's neat that you can operate on a small differential. Most engines operate on a big differential, like the hydrogen engine. We pull the hydrogen and air into the cylinder, we ignite it with a spark, and it gets really hot, about 2400, 2500 degrees. That heat pushes the piston down hard. With a Stirling cycle, we're doing with much lower temperature gradients, which is nice because you can get a temperature gradient just like from a solar collector, which means you can run these off of, of solar heat, which is a neat way to do it. But the reason they haven't caught on is because it's hard to get them to generate a lot of power enough power to actually run the appliances and things you want to run, for example. But it is a wonderful 
uh, demonstration of how we want to turn one form of energy, in this case heat, into another form of energy, in this case electricity. First, mechanical rotational energy. If you can get that, then making electricity follows easy. And we take all of these things kind of for granted. You know, we get up, we turn on the light, it comes on, and we forget how much ingenious thinking, study, research has gone on to make it possible. Um, I remember when uh, I was working on one of the problems in my research, and I won't get into the details of it right now, but I worked very, very hard to figure out a way to make a computer work so that you'd be able to connect all the computers in the world to share resources of one server or multiple servers. And uh, it, it was a really, really tough problem. And I spent a lot of time trying to figure out some way to do it and, and be able to make it secure and, and really work. And uh, it was on a Saturday that the idea finally came. And I was sitting in a little study I had at my home, and I was just thinking about this problem. And I was excited because uh, microprocessors had been invented. Microprocessors, one chip that is a computer, before that, computers were enormous. And I was designing to build a computer based on this little microchip. And I thought, now everybody's going to have their own computer. The secret is, how do you share all the information of all the computers? People had the ability to be able to send data over a communication wire, over a modem, or they even were doing some data over glass fibers. But to be able to figure out the model of how to share them and have it be orderly and even maybe make it secure. And that was very, very elusive. And so I worked on it. I worked on it. I asked a lot of people what I did. They had a lot of very brilliant people. No one came close to an idea. And then on the day when uh, client uh, server computing popped up in my mind. And by the way, it was, it was, for me, it was an experience where I had been trying so hard for so long, and then all of a sudden I saw it. I just saw it. I later got a patent on it. It was amazing. I knew it was going to work. I knew it was going to be revolutionary. I knew it was really exciting. And so then we actually built prototypes. We got them working. We proved the concept. We put a computer in at Winnebago factory, the motorhome factory in Iowa, and we hooked up 200 computers using one central server, and it worked extremely well. So we had a commercial deployment, and I knew it was really going to work. And then one of the people was asking me how it worked, and I explained it to them. They said, oh, anybody could have invented that. That's simple. And I realized a, a truth. And the truth is that after someone's figured it out and all they have to do is understand your idea, that's pretty easy. But figuring out the idea when you're starting from scratch, sometimes that can be really, really hard. So can we do it again? Absolutely. Would it be all right? I love it. We have a new source of fire. Mm -hmm. And when it's not warm, it just won't go. And there'll be some 
point where we get enough temperature. It's just trying to go, mm -hmm. but it can't oh. quite do it. Almost. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. but, whew, almost did it. Your students want to know where they can get one of these. They can have this one. <laughs> Maybe they could win it in the science fair. <laughs> come on, come on. It's going. Come on, believe Look in yourself. That. Believe in yourself. And there we go. So I feel like that slow start in the morning sometimes. <laughs> it's okay. Most aliens have that same problem. All right, so we're in the cool-down cycle again. Mm -hmm. But it is really a neat thing. Uh, making new cycles, new ways of converting heat. This is how we make the world better and better and better. That's really neat. And you know, if you get an idea like this and you can kind of almost figure out how to build it, it's very, very difficult to get it to work this good. Maybe you could almost get it to run, but to really get it to run well is when you need science, engineering, and mathematics. And you say, well, I can figure stuff out without it. And you can, but to really optimize it, to get it to work its best so that it really can be used successfully, commercially, that's where the learning is so important. So if you want to do neat stuff, load the brain. It's neat knowledge. how they machined that piece. They made it look really neat. How'd they do it? Maybe on a lathe. Yeah, well, they did. Yeah, they did put on a lathe. And mm -hmm. a lathe is an interesting machine. Mm -hmm. uh, we have machinists right here. And I, I think almost all of our students should learn how to run a lathe. Be, put a piece of metal on a lathe, and then it spins. Mm -hmm. And with a tool, you move the tool like this, and as it spins around, it makes it perfectly symmetrical. And if you look, you can sure. see these symmetrical grooves and how this is shaped. And that is the work of a lathe. We'll have to do a trip to our shop. That'd be fun. And see That'd be how the really lathe works. Fun. That'd be really interesting, wouldn't it? So we have a student named Brittany, and she wants to know when and if she'll ever get to meet you. You know, uh, <laughs> Brittany. You're talking about Brittany, right? Brittany. Uh -huh. I wonder how many students we have named Brittany. It's a beautiful name. Isn't it? It is. And out of three and a half million students, I wonder how many Britneys there are. I love Britneys. It's, uh, it's really interesting. We just started developing a new programming team. They just started, and we have them on the fourth floor of, mm -hmm. of the Billings Tower. But this is a team of, of new programmers just coming out of college, and there's six of them. And they're very, very special people, and you know, this is their third day, so they're really starting to get figured out where the restrooms are and everything. But <clears throat> I, I sat down with them this afternoon at the conference table, and I told them why we're doing this. Their job is to figure out how to make a cellist work better, especially when kids struggle. If you get into a subject that you're not getting and you maybe don't have the background or needs to be taught a different way, I want to know. I want the computer to be able to sense that and to be able to figure out what we could do better. And so I just tell them, these kids are precious and we have got to figure out how to make sure they have more good days.
on a cellus. Anyway, Brittany, yes, tell yes, me about Brittany. She wants to come meet you. Okay, she Does she ever come. get a chance to do that? Of course. Of course. Of course. I love meeting cellus students. Um, the, the real neat thing is we're seeing a lot of students graduate from high school that have studied on the cellus. Uh, we have a bunch in the Cells Academy. We have a bunch finishing, going on to college from Power Homeschool, and we have 6,500 schools. Actually, now to be up at about 6,875 schools. 6,000. Wow, we're growing. We've had a lot of new schools come on board in the last uh, six weeks. But the uh, the question that I'm getting more and more and more and more is how can we keep going on Acellus? And so we have a, another team working on what I'm calling Acellus Plus. Acellus Plus is the version of Acellus for college. So when you finish Acellus with no plus, just normal Acellus, <laughs> then you'd be ready to go on into college. And we're getting a lot of students who want to keep going. And they've learned how to really learn fast and effectively on Acellus. So we're working on College Acellus. Um, our, our college here is called the Institute of Science and Technology. And you remember the picture of the building across the road that we just were so grateful to be able to acquire as the new home for IST. But uh, we did enter into a little agreement with um, MIT to be able to share their courseware for our college program, which we're kind of excited about. And, and we are in the process of getting that available to our, our college students. And we're also uh, now working on um, many, many other courses and, and the ability to handle what we hope is a lot of students who want to go on and get their degrees. IST is a, a school that you can earn a two-year degree, which is called an associate degree, or a four-year degree, which is called a bachelor's degree. And then you've graduated from college, and if you want to study some more, you can go into what they call graduate school. And IST has a master's program and then a doctoral program. So you can do eight years of college if, if you really have the determination to. And I hope a lot, I hope Brittany and a lot of others are able to do whatever amount. In the two-year program, uh, our objective is to try to teach a student a career. Like maybe you want to go into cybersecurity. In our two-year program, we, we graduate people and we like to get them to pass certification as a cyber tech. Or they can become a data tech if they want to go into computer science or they can become an ed tech if they want to go into distance education. So all of these are career paths. If you uh, want to have a little better job than you get with a high school diploma, but you don't want to spend eight years in college, then you try and get a two-year degree. If you want to do the full-blown college graduation, that would be a bachelor's degree. It takes four years, and you can be in, in those majors. We have five majors at IST. You can major in chemistry, and it's not just vanilla chemistry. It's applied chemistry. Mm -hmm. The stuff we do is about science that works. I mean, puts the science of putting science to work, applied science. Okay, so you can do applied chemistry. We also 
you know, chemistry is about chemicals and how they react and mix them together to make fibers that are very strong or something of that nature. We also have applied physics. Applied physics is more about the, the laws of, of nature and uh, physicists are very versatile. They, they can do a, a lot of things. You got chemistry, physics, or computer science. Computer science is where you can learn to be a, a programmer. You can learn also to uh, um, design computers. Uh, I should back up to physics. Our physics uh, major is called physics and electrical engineering. It's combined together. So you can actually learn to design the hardware of a computer or some other circuit. So then computer science and then cybersecurity. This is the, the field that there probably is the greatest demand for right now because these are the people that protect people's data. Um, so they prevent hacking, they prevent you from being losing your your financial or other information on the internet. And right now, the demand for people trained in cyber security, cyber meaning having to do with computers and networks, is very, very, very great. And they, they expect that demand to grow 40% a year. So that's a great field to get into. And then the last one is um, a major in distance education. And that is in doing things like a cellus being able to teach over a computer network. And we think that that's something that we've really learned how to do by teaching so many Vasella students. So if you're interested in those five majors, then you can come here to school. And if you're not uh, gonna be able to do that, at least you can come visit us. So we are very happy to have all of you here tonight visiting uh, Science Live. We do it every Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. in Kansas City, right at the airport, so you can fly in, visit, and then go. <laughs> Get out of here. But uh, we, we love meeting our students. Also, uh, we are getting, there is a place there where you can put your comments, your suggestions, and ideas about Science Live, but also about Acellus. Uh, many of the very, very best ideas that we have in Acellus came from four, one of four places, from our employees that really care. We, we hire people that really care. Uh, from our teachers, and they care. From our parents and from our students. And we get wonderful ideas from all of those, so please shoot them in. And, and a way to reach me is through the comments on Science Live. Now, I wanted to mention tonight that a lot of people have been asking if it would be possible to get credit, school credit, for attending Science Live. And as engaging, informational, and wonderful as these discussions are with Dr. Peget, uh, listening to her explain science oh, isn't yeah. quite enough to be able to qualify for credit, for science credit. So the educational team has been working on it, and we've come up with a program so we will be able to give credit for Science Live. And this is the way that it'll work, and I, I hope to have this on uh, hopefully within the next six weeks. But So you tune in Science Live and uh, listen to the discussion. 
which is going to talk a lot about science. And then you'll be asked to write a short essay about the discussion subject of that day. And the interface that we're setting up for you to enter your essay into is the writing tutor. And the writing tutor is a wonderful thing because uh, you have to write on a certain level to get credit. So you write up your thing and it's going to tell you how many words you need to write. So you write so many words and when you get all done, say, oh, done, click send, what happens? It very quickly makes sure you spelled every word right, make sure you use good grammar, and if there are any problems, it underlines them for you. So you can take just a minute and learn that spelling and that grammar. And when everything's right, then you can set it again. And now it'll be submitted and you get credit. Uh, it is exciting to think that uh, students that are joining with us every week are becoming familiar with science vocabulary, becoming familiar with scientific principles, concepts, uh, stimulating independent cognitive thinking, etc. where we have fun. Yeah. That's true confession. We do have fun, but the science that we are discussing is sticking. And I really love talking to people, especially uh, young and old, that have listened and can then talk about a subject, a science principle subject, in a very intelligent way. If, if you've been with us for uh, several weeks, like you think back and and is there anything about science you've learned? And if there is, well, then one of our goals is achieved. Beyond that, though, uh, Dr. Peget and I really want our science live discussions to also uh, be social. We, we want these discussions to be uplifting, inspiring, to motivate you to be your best. And, you know, I, I've talked many times about how grateful I am to my mentor, Bill Lear, for the year that I spent with him. And as I look at that year, I, I'd gone to the university five years before I met him. And I had majored in five different uh, majors uh, because I wanted to know about chemistry, physics, electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, and chemical engineering. And so I was very very fortunate to be able to do that. So I learned a lot of math and science at the university. But then in my year with him that came right at the end, I learned many things about how to actually make things happen. How to put that knowledge I had gained at the university to work. And I'm very grateful to him for that. But as I distill down everything that I gained from him during that year, I think one of the biggest things that has impacted my career the most was the realization he gave me that I can do things. I can do it. And I really want to pass that on to you. I want you to know that you can do whatever you set your minds to. Um, Bill Lear, he made the Learjet. He made so many advancements in aviation, the autopilot. and the VOR navigational system, just many, many things. He has a lot of patents. But he was just a person. 
he, he was like a normal person, and yet he was brilliant, and he did things. And as I watched him do it, I realized, you know what? I could do that. And I want you to realize that. You can do it, too. And so um, I believe that our little meetings together once a week are going to stimulate a lot of good things to happen to this wonderful green-blue planet. Not that far from the sun. What do you think? I think so. Okay, that was my speech. We'd like to hear your speech. <laughs> Don't we? We want to? Okay. I figured out what that goes to. You figured out what yeah, that goes, goes to? to the top of a flask. Oh, yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> you are a chemist. <laughs> well, I know where it goes. <laughs> yeah. I can remember when Dr. Peget was taking chemistry undergraduate. Mm -hmm, I, I know too. who her favorite chemistry professor is, and it's none other than our International Academy of Science President, Dr. Maria Sanchez, who's mm -hmm. here tonight. We ought to honor her. Yeah. It was my favorite class. Uh, there <laughs> is a person that has made many, many people love science and love chemistry, yeah. and she really showed them how to put their mathematics skills to work, yep. to do real things, and we applaud you. Uh, she's a major, major uh, leader. She's now the president of the Institute of Science and Technology. That's a new assignment for her. For years, she's been the president of the International Academy of Science, which is our parent organization here. Now, um, Matthew Sock Joke Teller. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph is, hmm. is the new president. He's been the president of the International Academy of Science for about a year. And Dr. Sanchez, who uh, in her schooling days graduated as a chemical engineer, is now the new president of the Institute of Science and Technology. And she is going to do wonderful, amazing things there. Well, I want to thank all of you for, for joining us today and uh, study hard. Uh, it's worth it. Thank you.